Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of Dad Pod. Today, the role of Charlie Clawson will be played by Zoe Norton Lodge. Charlie will return to our regular cast once he finishes his delightful family holiday in Europe. Enjoy the show. Yes, indeed, and welcome to Dad Pod, the uh, podcast by dads for dads who don't want to be shit dads. And today, Charlie Clawson, who's normally the other dad that I've been making the show with for a couple of years now, is being played by Zoe Norton Lodge. How are you, Zoe? I'm really well. I'm, I've brushed up on my acting skills. I'm feeling really daddish. I'm, <laughs> I'm good to go. Just to explain who who Zoe is in my life, Zoe absolutely changed my life. There's no question of that. Zoe was the first person. She put me into a a show of hers called Story Club, and I was then given permission by Zoe and and Ben, who she does the show with, to tell stories on stage, which turned into a story I wrote about not doing very well mentally, which turned into a book, which turned into a live show that Zoe co-wrote and directed. There's no shadow of a doubt. My career would not be where it is without this extraordinary human being. And um, uh, you're a mum, dad of two. Yes, I am. I have two little boys at home. One of them, and home's where I am. Um, they're here. They're somewhere. We'll probably hear them clue in a tiny apartment, but um, I assume that's kind of like part of the ambiance of dad, you know, Everyone loves you that, bet. don't they? Oh, kids interrupting. It oh, it's cute. Like, yeah. you know, great. Yeah, I've got two little boys. Right. So your youngest is, Wolfie's just a little bit older than your youngest. I think that's right. So my youngest turns three at the beginning of Feb. Yeah, Wolfie's got a six-month head start on your little one. Oh, there you go. It's not a race, by the way. Yeah. Like, kids just aging, it's not really, you can't really, you just stay where you are kind of thing in relation to others. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it is not a, it actually isn't a race. And, you know, sometimes I show up to daycare and I, I look around and, you know, I've got to remember it's folly to try and think that your kid is, you know, oh, my God, he's not doing as well. Other kids can do stuff. Or, wow, my kid's so smart. It, it's like those Olympic races that they do on the oval-shaped track and you can't tell who's in front until about the <laughs> until the actual last lap. Yeah, you know? <laughs> totally. And, like, even then you don't actually have to put all the daycare kids in a row and be like, oh, this one, this one won. Like, you don't have to do that. You can just let them be. <laughs> yeah. How has your week been with uh, with the kids? Uh, it's been really good. I had actually a really special week with the kids. Uh, Rufus, my eldest, is um, starting school next year and he had his first primary school orientation this week and it was just like... Oh, week? Like uni? Like was there a toga party? Like what did they do? Like, okay, you, you, you jest. However, there is an end of year discotheque, so um, I don't know what is going to go down there. And it was very, very sweet. It's a very, very little, it's a little school that just goes up to year two. So um, he met his buddy, but his buddy's only in year one because he'll be in year two next year. So like the, you know, elder statesman of the school is about seven. Anyway, it was just gorgeous. And he, like, we'd ummed and awed about sending him because he's, you know, he's born early in the year. So we kind of have the option which year and we yeah. Thought about it, tore our hair out about it, but we decided to send him. And um, I, I actually couldn't go to the orientation. My partner Mark took him, but apparently he was just like, it, like Rufus is um, possibly the most extroverted person I've ever met. So I wasn't actually particularly worried about how he'd fare in that regard. But apparently he had an amazing time. He got a new buddy. His buddy gave him Play-Doh. It was just, it was really good. One of the things I'm concerned about with school though is um, 
I don't know if you have noticed this about me over our long friendship, Osha, but I have a bit of a problem with swearing. Like I swear, I swear the way people say, um, I don't even know. Are you allowed to swear on this podcast? I fucking swear so much uh, on this okay, podcast great. and right. I love how you swear. Fucking gr- thank God. Um, I guess that's why we're friends, but, um, and all the other stuff, but anyway, I've always been concerned that, that Rue would start swearing because I swear a lot. Mark, Mark's not as bad as me, but you know, we're all pretty bad, but he's started saying fuck it like fuck it but he's got it wrong fuck it so what do you you, you want to normally correct a kid's uh speech and diction yeah, but in this case we're just letting it go and also i really love it and we say it now fuck it it really like if you want to say something but you don't want it to be rude but you really mean it i just want to introduce that into the lexicon for anybody who might be needing a phrase like that in their in their lives, fuck it. It really gets a lot out of the system. I have been emulating the, the modelling from Bandit Healer and I've been using a bit of biscuits yeah. and using a bit of cheese and crackers. Uh, but fuck it sounds pretty That's good. That's like the, I think in real life they probably say something more like fuck it. But do you, I was going to ask you actually, yeah. like just because, you know, my opportunity on dad, like how much has Bandit created an inferiority complex for dads? Because I feel like <laughs> Bandit is like this perfect dad um, in the sense that, like, oh, he's funny, he's rough around the edges, but, like, you love him as a dad. Like, how much has he kind of, like, destroyed your dad confidence? Oh, actually, kind of not at all, because I really I really relate to the story of, of Bluey. We're talking about Bandit Healer, the dad in the Australian TV show Bluey. So the story is that Joe Brum, who created Bluey, worked on Peppa Pig for about five years as an animator, and he's like, I don't know how much Peppa Pig you've watched, but uh- the dad figure is a pretty shit character as far as great dads of the world go. And he's like, you know what? I don't see the kind of dad I am on any cartoons. I'm going to make a cartoon, which is the kind of dad I am. I've got two little girls and I'm going to, you know, because me and the dads around me are like this. So when I see Bandit, yeah, if anything, Bandit's kind of given me permission to really lean into the other parts of really engaging. He makes as many mistakes as I do. You know, when he goes to the pool, because it's super fun and exciting, but he forgets all the sunblock and everything, you know. Yep. However, the, the problem with that episode is that Chili shows up and everything's rosy. I think in reality, Bandit would be hearing about that until next Christmas or later. Oh, yeah. No, I think we didn't see those subsequent episodes where, um, you no. know, it just, it just kind of kept coming up. Like, that would actually be a really great... You know, if we want to pitch something to your mate, Joe Brom. Yeah, no, I think all of that's true. It's like it gives you permission. But the other thing about Bandit is like, and maybe this is like I'm making my own TV show, so I get to make the dad action. He's actually amazing. Like he really leans yeah. in. And I think it's like that level of leaning in and dedication. I'm going to keep playing this game. I'm going to do that. I wonder if that has pushed dads to sort of be like, yeah, I am. I'm going to do it for another half an hour. I'm going to play this stupid fucking game. Yeah, but it's you can't be what you can't see. And if it takes a cartoon to model a dad and a parenting behaviour that, you know, otherwise is healthy and, yeah. and good for the child's development that you otherwise have never seen. I mean, I'm someone who grew up with Ted Bullpit as the – he was the dad in Kingswood Country, which if you haven't seen, you can watch some YouTube. There might be one or two little clips that haven't been cancelled yet. Mm. But that was the model of the Australian dad. Yeah. That was it. It's a, I just, yeah, I I just, we've come a long way. I do just need to draw listeners' attention to the fact that you said you can't be what you can't see with reference to a dog. (laughs) And that's fine. I'm just putting that out there. (laughs) That's fine. I'm totally fine with it. You you mentioned Rufus going to school, Mm. big school. Wolf is still in daycare. 
And I've only recently come off crutches. I haven't been able to walk properly for a couple of months. So I haven't been able to actually, I've been able to pick him up. Audrey's been doing so much heavy lifting around, you know, just logistics, getting him here and there. So I've been able to start to drop him off again at daycare. And I dropped him off and picked him up the other day. I did both ends of the day the other day. And one of his teachers, as I went, yeah, dad, yeah, it was always great. You know, the big reunion at the end of the day, he comes over, grabs his bag, runs like, see you later, suckers. And he's like sprints out of the room with his bag over his shoulder. He loves it. And I picked him up and one of the daycare teachers, who's they're extraordinary people, she comes over and she goes, he doesn't cry when you drop him off. Uh, pardon? She goes, no. When mummy drops him off, he cries. When you drop him off, he doesn't cry. And now I don't know if that's like a, yes, he feels secure that I'm returning or he doesn't love me as much. Yeah, I mean, that. look, the thing is, here's the thing, you've got to play some 10-dimensional chess here because those kids are smart as hell and it's like maybe he thinks, like, Audrey is more likely to, like, respond. Like, not respond, that sounds harsh, I don't mean to be harsh to you, but, like, maybe she's more likely to be, in his head, maybe he thinks that she's more likely to be like, oh, okay, well, he's crying, so I guess we'll go to the beach instead. Uh-huh. Maybe he thinks you're going to be like, no. Nah. <laughs> Oh, no, no, I have no time for that. It's like, no, it's daycare day, buddy. We've got shit to do. That's exactly it. That's what I'm saying. So he knows he's like, he's not wasting his breath. He's like, I'm not going to waste these tears. I I know that that old guy, he's not going to fall. But I tell you what, he's working on something else for you. I can tell you, like, he's got some, (laughs) there's something going on. He will get you. Like, they're so fucking manipulative. It's extraordinary. Like, Rue always will be like, mum, wouldn't you like to try this ice cream? I just think you would love it. I'd be like, the ice cream in the freezer. Yeah, you'd love it. I'll serve it for you. I'd be like, all right. I'll just get another bowl. (laughs) You know, (laughs) me, whoever. Like, so manipulative. Yes, it's magnificent. And I I have no doubt that the, like, Wolf was non-verbally manipulating adults when he was three or four months old. And it blew my mind. We've actually had, we got written, an anthropologist wrote into us, actually, because we Charlie and I were talking about this uh, early on. And the anthropologist said, there's evidence to suggest that it's an evolutionary trait that we've carried on because the infants who are the best at manipulating the adults around them secured the most calories, the most safety, the most love, the most priority for all of those things. And they, they're the ones that survived. So, of course, we're excellent at manipulating the grown-ups around us, particularly around ice cream, which is something that we can talk to um, Alice about today later in the show. Alice Zaslavsky is joining us. She's an extraordinary uh, chef and author. Alice in Frames on Instagram. She's going to be having a chat with us about, well, I've got a lot of questions around food. I don't know if you do. But we do need to get to some emails. Uh, Askdadpod at gmail.com. Zoe and I shall return. This is Dad Pod, the podcast uh, by dads for dads who don't want to be shit dads today. Someone who doesn't want to be a shit dad is Zoe Norton Lodge because Charlie Clawson, well, let's just say, like, where was Charlie when it, when it kind of time to show up to do the podcast? Where was he? I hey? mean, hey? I don't want to call him one of these shit dads, but, like, I've shown up, okay? I showed up for you. Don't you call me a shit dad, I'll show up. <laughs> uh, Charlie's being a shit dad by taking his family around Europe. Uh, oh, what a shit dad. <laughs> oh, my God. There's photos of Iona playing in, in, in beautiful, you know, laneways in Portugal at the sunrise. Like, I mean, okay. like, call social services, honestly. Like, that's like, what a that's shit a dad. Askdadpod at gmail.com is our email address. Vaughn from Canada has written, and we have listeners all over the world, Zoe. Vaughn uh, has written, I've just got a kiddo, just over a year old. He's a month into daycare, and he has been home with gastro, hand, foot, and mouth. 
pink eye, and currently has a nasty cough. Brings the germs home, gets me and my wife sick. We both have to miss work, either to help him recover or for us to recover. I get this is his immune system being helped. Are we doomed to never-ending sickness for the foreseeable future? I'll pass this one straight to you, Zoe Norton Lodge, parent of uh, one five-year-old and one nearly three-year-old. Yeah. Does it go on forever? I think, look, there's a few factors which are, you know, above my pay grade, like the pandemic, which might be impacting it even more. But I would say, Von, that like, I mean, I know this is probably the shittest thing to hear, but like, you're definitely not alone. Like, this is literally what happens. And I think of all the things I wasn't prepared for, in terms of having a a young kid, it was that. It was that it's just an actual relentless tirade of illness. And I had, my my partner and I had the exact same conversations. Like, what the fuck are we paying for when we're never (laughs) using this service? We have to pay for it. And we're at home getting sick from a kid because some other kid came really sick today. So you always blame other kids. Like, you know, of course, you know, it's like when you send your kid and it's got a slightly sunny nose, you're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. But, you know, every other kid, every other parent, it's a, it's, the pro- we're all part of the disgusting ecosystem. But, like, I, I really relate to you. Like, we had um, my eldest, Rue, who's now at five and, and doesn't get sick all the time um, anymore. When he, in his first year, it was that. It was like an absolute just cavalcade of increasingly disgusting illnesses I'd hitherto never heard of. And then he wound up with pneumonia. So we wound up in emergency. He was admitted. He was like on, he got that RSV virus and it turned into pneumonia and he was there for a few days. And um, then I had to take him home in this like home hospital system where he was still had a cannula in. And that is when he decided to learn how to walk. So he was walking around with (laughs) with a fucking cannula that I was desperately trying not to knock out of his arm stumbling all over the place anyway so we that was our real rock bottom with it and then we had a second I mean then it was different for us because our second kid was born at the beginning of the pandemic and we ended up kind of no one went to daycare so whatever but I will say it definitely ends but it does last a really long time and it's just a kind of awful weird thing that I think all you can do Vaughn is just make sure that your mates have info that you didn't have this is what happens like be prepared for a full year of horrible illnesses or and and the one thing I don't know is people often say like it happens no matter when you send them like and obviously a lot of us don't have a choice but like whatever first year you send them you get that series of illnesses I've got no idea if that's true or not but it's like if you're sending a one-year-old into daycare and you're expecting to go to work full-time you should be aware that they will get tremendously ill and I guess the other factor is like I was sort of lucky that when my kid was one it was before the pandemic. So you sort of would take a snotty kid somewhere and you wouldn't feel too bad about it. But nowadays you're like, I can't take a snotty kid to see their grandparents. What if everyone dies? You know, you're constantly <laughs> worried. You've got this whole extra thing, Von, that, oh, my God, my snotty kid's going to kill everyone. I don't know if I just gave you that paranoia you didn't have, but that's a little gift. But, yeah, all I will say is it sucks. You're right. It fucking sucks. It happens to everyone and it will get better. It just takes it takes longer than you think. And in fact, I'm just gonna I'm gonna one up Zoe Norton Lodge there by uh, directly paraphrasing the great Australian comedian and podcaster Luke Heggie. I've known him since I was eight, and of our group of friends, he had kids quite early. So we're the same age by I think I'm a month out, and he's got one 14 year old and one 11 year old. And he said the other day, he said, "I reckon, I reckon this week is the first time in 14 years that." No one at my house has got a runny nose. And he's not wrong. Oh. 
Because, you know, when Ugh. when Georgia and hit like Zoe um, and Vaughn, your eldest is about to start big school. Mate, welcome to Knit Town because it's uh, fucking on. Like now you get into the really fun, like now you get into parasites and now you get into yeah, worms and I'm, shit. I'm curious about knits because I don't know if you, you've met my kid, Osh. He's got like a shock of white hair, like white hair. So I feel like with him I'll never see the eggs, but then he'll just be his hair will turn jet black with nips. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just still a part of it. I'm, I'm vegan. I'm lactose and so like, I can't have it, but I'll, I'll chomp combantrum. When George was at school, I'll be chomping combantrum like four times, five times a year. What is combantrum? It's the chocolate worming tablets. Oh. Like you give to a dog, but for <laughs> humans. Cause you're like, I didn't want my bottom properly. What's, oh, I've got worms because. Oh, oh wow. Fuck. I mean, that, that's the thing as well. Like it's sort of, I mean, I guess the blessing is it is like, you know, I guess as soon as you have a kid, especially if you're a, a mom, you know, it's very bodily. You sort of let go of a lot of, you know, dignity and whatever. And then it's like, it just kind of continues on. It's like, yeah, I'm shitting myself too. Everyone's shitting themselves. I'm scratching my head. I've got, what's this? Well, I've got ringworm. I don't know what that is. Yes. Why is my arm scaly? <laughs> It's co- and we we're always playing like detective work with my friends, like oh blah blah. I had this, and then she gave it to that person. We're trying to figure out the origin story yeah. of all of our viruses. Like why? Why don't we watch a crime thriller instead? I don't know. Yeah, buy shares in your local par- liquid paracetamol company, Von and Strapia. That's what I would say. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for uh, writing us an email, askdadpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at dadpodgram. We are back in a minute with Alice Zaslavsky. She is a chef. She's an author. She's a former teacher. She has a lot of experience around kids, what they put in their mouths, what comes out the other end, and how that affects the way they are through the day. Uh, We're back in a second. Zoe, our guest, is here, and I'm I'm thrilled that she's been going to be a part of the show. Alice Zaslavsky is a parent. She's been a teacher. She's an author. She writes all about food. She's an absolute expert. She has created a, an innovative digital toolkit for teachers and parents that helps move the needle on family vegetable consumption. The program was voted Best Healthy Eating Campaign in Australia. She's written two great books, In Praise of Veg, The Joy of Better Cooking, Alice in Frames on Instagram, Alice Zaslavsky. Thank you so much for being a part of Dad Pod. What a joy! Thanks, Sasha. Thanks, Zoe. Now, Alice, I'm in this. I'm in a pickle at the moment. Like, uh, we've got two kids. One's nearly 19. The other one's just over three. Zoe has has two sons, four and four and three. Uh, yeah, almost five. Almost like four and a half, two and a half. Man, there's no spaces in your place. Come on, Zoe. What are you doing? I've completed the journey. Is what you're? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> I keep trying to send Mark to the glue factory to sort it out, but so far, you know, still waiting. Oh, mate, I was like, like as soon as, as soon as Wolf was six months old, I'm like, and we're done. I was out. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get you to have. You can have a chat to Mark. Oh, <laughs> look, it's no problem. Another a next episode of Dad. Pod, yeah. we'll do an intervention. <laughs> Don't ride your motorbike the next day, which is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that I will tell you for nothing. Great. I'm glad you're on the show, Alex, because I like like any parent, I've got nothing but questions about food. And I guess what one, one I'll start with, one I'm a little worried at the moment, is that Wolf just wants the same thing for breakfast every single day. And I'm concerned that like without the variance in his nutrition, that there may be some deficiencies or something. Should I try to throw other things in there? Or should I be like, look calories are calories at this point. 
Like what happens here? So if you think about what's happening in a three-year-old's life, there is a lot of change and there are a lot of surprises. So if you think about what food does within the day, it's almost like that is a boy on a choppy sea and wolf can go boy to boy, uh, B-U-O-Y, uh-huh. and find within that a, a place of safety, a little port. So if Wolf wants to eat the same thing every day for breakfast, the best thing that you can do as a parent is keep serving that up. And if you want to, you can put a few little tiny tastes of something else. You know, if you want to put a few snow peas or a few cherry tomatoes on the plate or near the plate or even just on the table. And if you're also eating those cherry tomatoes and snow peas, what you'll find over time is that he probably will be more likely to, you know, grab at a snow pea because he sees you doing it and because you haven't pushed it onto him. And how, how, like... What's he eating? Tell me what he's eating. Is it like a, a Vegemite sandwich or a cheese sandwich or something? Or muesli? Currently, and, like, prepare your parental judgment because here it comes. <laughs> It's one wheat bick. It is about uh, one of my hand, half a handful of Sultana brand. It is some frozen berries that have probably come from a country very far away. And it's about, I don't know, 120, 200 mils of milk, cow milk. Yes, vegans. I feed my son milk from cows. And he won't eat it unless there's a squitch of honey on it. That is a lot of different foods, Osha. I actually think there's nothing to worry about. Um, from all that I've learned from the paediatric dietitians and the nutritionists that I've spoken with, it's about thinking about your kids eating across the week rather than day-to-day and meal-to-meal. So you can really do yourself a number worrying about how what their calorie intake is or how many different colours they're eating. Wolf is already getting some antioxidants from those berries. He's getting some really delicious, you know, the, the honey on top is really fantastic for building up a tolerance to a food that, that can be quite allergenic. And then you've ah. got, you know, you've got your wheat big happening. You're fine. And the fact that you're worrying even shows that you're a parent who cares. So if you're listening to this and thinking, wow, I feel slightly relieved because this is something that's a worry in my household. Just thinking about your child's food intake shows that you care. And obviously we want to nourish our kids and obviously we want to feel like we're doing the best job, but just thinking that in your mind shows that you are a parent that cares and that you probably are doing a much better job than you think you are. I didn't get you on the show to get me off the hook, but I'm appreciative. Yeah, and look, can I just just kind of put you back on the hook for a minute? Because I just want to say like on behalf of like, people listening being like fuck you you think that's a bad breakfast that's absolutely fucking brilliant people would be thrilled if their kids ate a wheat big sultana brand berries and milk like calm now like you think that's bad like you come to my house that is absolutely fine like i think like i know people who one of my friends is like you wouldn't believe this katie finally tried the nuggets at mcdonald's she's only eaten the chips before like you're fine Everybody's on a spectrum and whatever it is that's encouraging kids to try new things, the number one thing that will encourage your children to eat more widely is if you eat more widely. So what's Wolf watching you eat, Osha? Well, this is the problem. I'm a vegan celiac, so I can't eat nearly any everything that he eats. Mm. He won't see me putting the same. He wants, I bless his heart. He's like, do you want some, Dad? He's always trying to share with me. And I, 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 I that'll make me quite sick. I'm sorry. I Thank you so much for sharing, but I can't eat that. That's just for you. And we have to have whole conversations about it because he's putting the wheat bix in the bowl and then he wants to shove his hands into the, you know, the, the berry packet. I'm like, I eat it out of that too. You know, let's talk about gluten. Yeah. <laughs> he's three. Mm. Like, 
I'm feeling the judgment. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, cause I can't eat the same things he eats. Like, what can I do around that? So the first thing that I would say is let go of worrying that people are judging you. Let go of judging yourself because you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. I work in television. Like we are a judgment-based industry. Yeah, literally shows where you get judged. I get it. But just let parenting be a place where there's less of that kind of judgy behaviour. I'm not judging you. Zoe's not judging you. We are a safe place. This is a safe. Zoe's totally judging me. She's got judgy (laughs) face on. I can tell. I know, but she's doing a really good job of not saying anything. No, I'm not judging it all like oh my god I just think I feel really lucky that I've got plenty of guilt and shame and judgment in my life in all sorts of ways but for some reason I've never felt it around food and my kids and I think partly it might be my family is Greek and Greeks are very kind of like open and sharing with food and it's all and I've got also it's a much more difficult dive that you're doing when you can't eat the same foods like the, the stuff that gets shoved into my mouth from the bare filthy hands of toddlers is is appalling but I sort of have to say like I've never tried anything I'm also one of those like I'm not very good at following rules or trying or whatever I'm kind of a bit dodgy a bit dodgy mom but like everything you're saying Alice like makes total sense to me like one of my elders is quite exploratory with food but he also eats a lot of junk I'm not that fussed about it you know they ate from pouches when they were little like because I was just like oh that's got all the ingredients in it I can't get anything else down like whatever who cares and they have sugar, they have this, they have that. But like my eldest is also like, oh, mom, I want to try these onions. Or like our brother and sister-in-law came back from Germany and they were like, oh, we bought this sort of cabbage, this like uh, sauerkraut purple that we thought Rufus might like. And I was like, what are you thinking? And he was like, can I try that? We put it on a plate and he was like, this is really yum. And he wanted to make a video to show them. And I think I've been really lucky that because I'm so shit, I, I naturally accidentally did what it, what seems like it's good advice. I mean, I don't think the sugar's good advice, but, like, we just kind of let them eat whatever. And I guess I've always sort of thought, like, well, kids all kind of, it's like how, you know, worrying about when they walk or talk or something. It's like, it's going to happen. Most people don't just eat a rigid breakfast of, like, one bigger stringer and that's it every day. Like, they kind of evolve or whatever. Exactly. And if you think about it in the context of what food means in the day or what food means to us, it's like saying someone's a good breather. You know, you get around (laughs) people worrying about their kids being good eaters are doing too much. So, Zoe, the fact that you did less, and I wouldn't say that it was because you were shit, it's because you you. came from a family. (laughs) You came from a family that love food and care about food and culturally it's that sense of abundance and connection that comes with food, not just the, the calories. That's the, the big difference. And a lot of the current research is showing that the less that you put value judgments on food, the more that kids grow up and eat widely. And so even sort of, you know, worrying about sugar or saying that something's junk, just let them see that food is food. Can I ask you a question about that, Alice? Because a friend of mine said something and I found it so affirming. But it, again, it was just like I'm being lazy and it just happens to coalesce with maybe current advice. She said that, I can't remember, like maybe her son had been to a pediatrician or something, but that there's been a bit of a shift even in terms of saying healthy food, like that we don't really label foods as healthy or unhealthy anymore. A hundred percent. So language is really important for kids because their brains are much less nuanced than ours. So they, they see things very much in black and white. So if you say a food is healthy or a food is unhealthy or a food is bad or good, if they like that food, then what they internalize is that they're bad. So the less that you say words like good and bad and sometimes and junk and all of those sorts of words, that, that's where you can do the parenting work. And Osha, when you talk about the fact that you've got allergies, you've got dietaries, that creates some 
different kind of expectations on yourself and from you as well. So it's about just kind of being mindful around food with Wolf that, you know, you know that if Wolf puts that in your mouth, then it's going to hurt you. But just try not to kind of articulate that to Wolf because Wolf won't say, oh, that's dangerous because Dad's a celiac. He'll just think, oh, that's dangerous because that's that food. So if you've got dietaries, if you've got aversions, if you've got allergies as a parent, it's just kind of about monitoring that and that's up to you. So you put the food that Wolf can eat in front of Wolf and the food that you can eat in front of you and then the good time that you're having is just the connection point around food and if wolf says you know can i try that you say oh no thanks i'm happy with what i'm eating boom amazing i'm so grateful you came on the show and zoe or as a son of a a dad that grew up in prague and a mum that grew up in lithuania that the idea of you know snuck through border security german sauerkraut legit in the jar makes my stomach i'm like i want all of like that was what we ate as little kids that was our food was like we went to the one place in brisbane where we could get it and that like all i want is to eat that alice thank you so much for being on the show alice.recipes just pop that into your interweb and and you will find alice's work thank you so much for being on the show you are so welcome go well you're killing it look zoe it's been amazing having you here thank you for being charlie today oh thank you so much for having me i've had so much fun i hope i didn't divulge too much oh no if anything you made all of us feel a lot more okay about what's going on because you know there's a dad complex you know we're we're ingrained by the stupid fucking commercials of our country Mm -hmm. that dumb fat dad is the only dad uh, who's, you know, forgot oh, forgot the fucking insurance or whatever the fuck. Like, that's the guy we see in every commercial. And so we're all terrified of the inside of being that guy. And then when we fuck up, we're like, oh, fuck, now I'm done fat dad. But when I'm listening to the way you talk about it, it's like, oh, no. Oh, this is just, this is what it is. It's just chaos and snot. And <laughs> yeah. it's just like this for a while. Chaos and <laughs> so snot is a good name for a, a parenting book, isn't it? Yeah, and the band that goes along with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's my, my band made entirely of, uh, of, of Paris. It's going to be great. Zoe, you're absolutely brilliant. Thanks for being a part of it. All, all good podcasts have a sign-off. Ours is Don't Touch That. So in, in your best mum-dad voice, uh, I'm Osher Gisberg. That's Zoe Norton Lodge. Until next time. <gasps> Don't touch that. Oh, 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 with the. <gasps> I love it. Thanks, Zoe. <laughs> 